Hello and welcome back to the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. It's fall, time to go back to school. I've got some really great episodes for you as we enter this new season, and I'm sure you're going to want to tune in. I also have an upcoming workshop, and you can learn all about that on my website, isabelbridges.com. See you inside the episode. Hello and welcome to the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. I'm your host, Isabel Bridges, and here on this show, we dive deep into all things mothering, sistering, and humaning. Because the roles that you play are something you learned, not who you are. Let's begin. Welcome to season three of the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. I am so excited to share some oldies but goodies with you today. So you will be hearing from the Awakened Mother Show, which is a summit I did during COVID. As you listen, I want you to really notice how far you've come since then, where you find yourself now, and also how you can use what you learned during that time and in this podcast in the future. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome back to the Awaken Mother Show. I'm your host, Isabel Bridges, and it is an honor and a pleasure to be joined today by Rebecca Brandstetter. Hi, Rebecca. Good to have you. Hi there. How are you? Oh, and my dog wants to be known too in the background, if you can hear him. You might hear from my quarantine puppy and we're just keeping it real all day long, right? That's right. (laughs) So Rebecca and I have known each other and been keeping it real for like almost 10 years, which is cray cray. I can't believe it. And um, I'm just so excited for you all to get to know Rebecca. If you don't know her work already, you are in for a treat. So before we dive into our conversation, Rebecca, I'd love to hear a little bit from you about who you are, what you do, and then also personally where you find yourself in parenting right now. Yeah, so it is crazy that we've known each other for almost a decade. And we started out with a personal friendship. Our babies were in baby sign language class together. And we learned all of the critical signs such as poop and pineapple (laughs) and just really important things that we need more. Um, But it's so interesting that we met under those circumstances because in that moment, not only did we bond as friends and mamas, new mamas, um, but we also had the same mission of helping our kids communicate even before they had words. So it's just amazing to me that that's how we met and that we're both in this um, helping parents space now. Um, I have been a school psychologist for over 20 years now, which is crazy because I started when I was 10, I think. (laughs) Um, But I've been a school psychologist. And in that role, I help parents understand how their kids learn, what's getting in the way, how can they be their best selves at home, at school and in life. And really the transformation and where I am right now, um, you know, started out with mostly school-based services. And what I learned in COVID (laughs) is that, wow, the parents really needed the support. Um, When I didn't have access to going and helping the student at the school, 
my work really shifted to parents. Now, I've always worked with parents, helping them understand their kids. That's always been a passion of mine. But I got to really work directly with parents whose kids were losing it over distance learning, over canceled life, over so much mm-hmm. stress. And myself as a parent, too, um, you know, I'm coming to you from a lovely little studio office at my home that was built right shortly after COVID because I spent the good first six months of COVID in my garage, in my car, Zooming with families and kids. And I called it my garage because it was my garage office, million degrees in there. And then there were fires in California. And so I have the lived experience of being a mom who also was struggling um, during COVID like everybody else. And it's so interesting because you would think that like a school psychologist with a PhD from Berkeley, I'd have it all figured out and everything. But I'm here to tell you, when we're under stress, we are not our best selves. And all that information can go out the window. So I'm excited to chat with you today about strategies for not only helping our kids when they're stressed, but what to do when we're overloaded. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's not just you and I who are are overloaded right now. If women are watching this, they're probably feeling some of the same impact that you described too. So, well, why don't you tell us a little bit about this lizard brain? Where is it? What does that even mean? Do we all humans have a lizard brain? Yes. So one of the things that I have been teaching in my positive parenting courses um, and as a role as a school psychologist is understanding, and here's your two-minute neuroscience lesson, um, how stress affects behavior and learning in Americans. So the primitive part of your brain, I call it with uh, students and families, they work the lizard brain or brainstem. It's right here. And yes, we all have one. It is that primitive fight, flight, fight, flight, freeze. Um, response. Everyone has that. And then as humans, we've evolved to have also what I call the wizard brain, which is all of those great frontal lobe functionings, the stop and think skills, um, being able to pause before responding. Now, fun fact is that kids don't have well-developed frontal lobes. Um, That skill actually develops well into their 20s, their late 20s. So what we need to remember is that many kids are functioning, and parents too, when they're stressed in this lizard brain. All your cognitive resources go here when you're stressed, when your kid is stressed. And here's a fun fun fact about neuroscience. Your brain literally does not know the difference between a saber-toothed tiger and, you know, an upsetting email or your kid doesn't know the difference between a bear coming at you or a math test. It actually triggers the same response, which is fight, flight, or freeze. And the modern day, what does fight, 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 flight, freeze look like in kids and adults is either acting out, right? Yeah. Or shutting down, freeze. Oh, I just want us to take that in that it's a normal, it's a normal part of us. It's not something that makes you wrong. We all have that in that lizard brain instinct too. And the, the, the struggle that I have in my own parenting 
is when I'm triggered and my kid is triggered, or maybe when my daughter and my son are both triggered and I'm triggered. And maybe my husband is also triggered. So we're in a family of super triggered people. How can we show up as the parents that we want to be? Yeah. So here's another, I'm just dropping fun neuroscience facts on you. Um, This is spooky sci-fi fact, number one, (laughs) which is our brains are evolutionarily programmed to match each other's emotions. So what happens in the brain, and this is what you're talking about being triggered, um, which is when um, we observe someone else, within 0.33 milliseconds, we can detect their emotion. That's that, like you walk into a room and you're like, what's up with this room? <laughs> kind of feeling yeah. that you can tell. Or you like your kid home comes home from school and you're like, something up, right? 0.33 milliseconds before you can even cognitively register. Within another 0.33 milliseconds, you are evolutionarily pre-programmed to try to match called mirror neurons. So when your kid's stressed, er, your brain processes it in the same way as if you were stressed. When you get a stressful email um, and your kid's in the room, they feel it like they got the stressful experience. So we are not destined, thankfully, to be constantly triggering and re-triggering each other all day long because we have wizard brains. And even our kids have wizard brains, which is that stop and think mechanism. So one of the things that I talked about recently in an article I wrote, which um, is from lizard brain to wizard brain, is parents and kids start out the day, right? Fresh and positive and, you know, we're going to be empathic and we're going to be amazing. And a meme came across my social media that kind of captures this. And you might have seen this, Isabel, which is there's a picture of that really sweet T-Rex from Toy Story, Rexy, whatever. Mm-hmm. He's like, hi. It's like, this is mom at the beginning of the day. And then like, it's like mom at the end of the day. And it's like the Jurassic Park Tyrannosaurus, like one inch from your face, like, like we've all had that experience as we accumulate stress in the day, we go from Rex to like T-Rex. Okay. And in your kids too, right? If they have a stressor, they may hold on to it all day. So there are times where we typically, when we're in a good space, we can use our wizard brain. We can react, you know, calmly. Um, We can react proactively. But there are times when we are too stressed and we react instead of being proactive. So as that day wears on and your patience wears thin, you tend to be more reactive, more triggered, and more annoyed when your kids are being children. What I mean by that is when they act out or shut down. Now that you have this spooky sci-fi knowledge, you can hover above it, above the fray, above the chaos, and bring the calm. And it's actually really um, easier than you think. And it's a million micro moments in the day. It can even be just like a mindset shift, which Mm -hmm. is my kid is not giving me a hard time. They're having a hard time because they're in lizard brain and their wizard brains aren't fully developed. Look, if a kiddo is going to, you know, have a stressor and react calmly and, you know, you choose a coping strategy, man, they would, why wouldn't you? Wouldn't you rather use a calming coping strategy than like blow up or shut down? Of course you would. Kids are the same. They don't have those neurological skills to do it. And so part of the real beauty of the work that I'm doing, and I've partnered with Elizabeth Sauter of Make Social Learning Stick, um, is that we recognize that kids who are acting out or shutting down, they need help learning those skills. And 
we think about positive parenting or positive disciplining as like, oh, that's a nice thing to do. Or some people even think of it as like, oh, it's permissive, right? We're just letting kids do whatever. But what it is, is the root of discipline, the Latin root is to teach or learn. Mm -hmm. So discipline is helping kids learn emotional regulation. Mm -hmm. Management is punishing kids or making them suffer for not having the skill that they haven't learned yet. And we haven't it's a lens shift. Kids not giving you a hard time, they're having a hard time. When you recognize that, you see your kid in lizard brain, instead of that immediate knee-jerk reactions, evolutionally pre-programmed to also get yourself in lizard brain, you, with the beautiful wizard brain you have, can stop, hit that frontal pause button, and choose to respond in a different way. And that different way that works like magic every time, and I can't believe it, is empathy. Mm. Instead of trying to problem solve, oh, your math test is upsetting, or you wish that your raisin brand didn't have raisins in it, right? Like we've all had those kids blow up at us for what we think is a small trigger, but it feels the same as a saber-toothed tiger for them. So my favorite phrase that brings my kids from lizard brain to wizard brain almost every time you got to get them out of lizard brain first. And it's this statement, write it down, cross stitch it on a pillow, tattoo it on your arm, whatever you need in those hot parenting moments. Mm. Gosh, it makes sense that you feel this way. Right? So what do we do? It makes sense that you're upset about your roller skates wheel coming off. It makes sense that you would be upset. Your sister took your toy. Wow. I can see why that made you so mad. It gets kids regulated back into a zone where they can then problem solve. What can we do next time? As parents, we often jump to the problem solving way too fast. And you know this, like if you came home from work and you're like, God, I had the worst day. It was so hard. And someone's like, let's get on LinkedIn and we'll find you a new job. You'd be like, whoa, slow right. your roll. I need you to like empathize with me or ask me what happened yeah. or are you okay? Our kids just want the same thing adults want. And we forget sometimes. Oh, and what I am, what's coming up for me is that this applies to us too. So same, I have cramps from my monthly cycle. I can apply the same method. It's not that my body is giving me a hard time. She's having a hard time. And how can I have empathy for this body rather than trying to control it or change it somehow, just being present with it and really with ourselves, right? Saying, this is really hard. Of course, of course, this is hard because many of your resources aren't what they once were or whatever, whatever. So we can have empathy for ourselves. No, that's right. It's being present because you don't want to double the stress. So first there's the stressor, I have cramps or my kids blowing up or shutting down and not talking to me or shut their room or whatever they did. And you could double that stress by being like, it shouldn't be this way. I don't like this. This is bad, right? You don't have to like it, but you can accept it and be like, this is happening. I'm going to tap into my inner wisdom about what to do here into my wizard brain. And I'm going to take a little breath. I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to take a mommy moment. And look, self-care looks different for everybody. Sitting in your car away from everyone and hiding for five minutes is self-care. Like whatever your brand of self-care is fine. The really important thing that you just mentioned is what Kristen Neff talks about. It's the difference between self-care and self-compassion. 
And I love the way she frames it. And um, she has a son with autism. And so she has a lot of stressors around helping him grow and teach and learn him with, you know, what he has to learn. And she says, you know, self-care is done off the job, right? At the end of the day, you take the bubble bath or you go meet your girlfriends or you have a a Zoom meeting with your friend, whatever it is, right? But self-compassion is done on the job where the stress is actually happening in that moment. Yeah. If your kid's blowing up, you're not going to be like, mama going to yoga, bye. (laughs) You can, but then they might feel a little bit emotionally abandoned in that moment. And so self-compassion is noticing, okay, this is happening. My kid is having a lizard brain moment, exploring it. Oh, what happened? Right. And empathizing. Oh my goodness. It makes sense that you would feel so upset right now. Hmm. Right. And just sitting with it, accepting it. And then when everyone's back into wizard brain, then you can problem solve and troubleshoot and correct and course correct and whatever led to that struggle. Um, but we are, as moms, we have normal stress and then we have pandemic stress. And then, you know, it's no wonder that so many of us are like buckling under the weight of this and we're having big reactions too. So, so many times parents yeah. come to me and like, help me with my kid who's blowing up. And guess what? Like, you can actually help your kid with their emotional outbursts by helping yourself. Because when you're in a calm space, you don't join the chaos. You bring the calm. And remember the neuropsych fact? People match emotion. Your kid's blowing up. You bring the calm. It down-regulates your kid. It's called co-regulation. Bringing calm to chaos. You don't even have to say anything. You can just bring that energy, the dynamic, and that changes things. So talk to us, what is self-regulation? Paint us a picture of what that word means. Yeah, so self-regulation is one of the executive functions. And executive functioning is this fancy schmancy word for the boss in your brain, right? The one who tells you do that, don't do that, wait, hold on, that's not safe. Mm. Or mm, is that, should I say that out loud? Oh, do I have to say everything my brain thinks, right? Those skills. So emotional self-regulation falls under that which is um, being able to match the situation and your feeling. So it's having this sort of Goldilocks response to what's happening. Some kids have shorter fuses, right? They have smaller windows of tolerance. Windows of tolerance are like, how much can I I have a disappointment or a a feeling I don't like? How How much can I tolerate that? Some kids just like, Oh, all right. There's a, they have a plate glass window of tolerance. And some kids have like a dollhouse window of tolerance. Mm-hmm. And you might have a kid one of each, right? Yeah. The point is that what your kid is doing when they react, it's not bad. You're not doing it wrong. They're not doing it wrong. They're not broken. You're not broken. That's just what they're like. Uh, emotional self-regulation is a skill we can build in our kids and we can build it not you can build it through like here's a feeling cards and coping decks and you know making sure that they understand that the um if they're pre-verbal that they can sign the word like mad right is that what it was yep. i can't remember yeah <laughs> I, think it, I think it's more in the face and the gestures like uh, yes. right <laughs> giving them tools to cope with it is incredible but also just modeling how to bring calm you yourself look kids learn way more for good or worse, by watching us than what we say. They learn by what we say in those teachable moments and all that, but they learn far more by seeing how mama handles stress. 
And that's why I know that there's a lot of parents out there who experience uh, guilt or shame for having to take a break or do I deserve this break and rest is a reward for a job well done. No, rest and self-care are integral to teaching your kid emotional self-regulation. You're modeling for your kid. And I always say, like, if I feel bad or guilty, like, oh, God, the house is in chaos, but I need to, like, take a break or whatever with my quarantine puppy. (laughs) Um, I'll come back a much calmer mama. Please excuse me. Yeah. What have I taught there? That it's okay for people to take breaks. You're not abandoning your kids with your feelings. You're going to return in a calmer space. And it's okay. Mm -hmm. And I think, especially as a mom of daughters, I want them to see me resting guilt-free. I want them to see me taking care of myself. I want them to see me blow up. Yep. And then also bring it back down. Be like, wow, my mama lost her cool. I was in a lizard brain. I'm so sorry I said that. That actually sounded kind of mean. Mean now. Next time I'm going to take... I apologize. There is so much power in apologizing. You don't have to be a perfect parent. I'm here to tell you. Looking right into the camera, you don't have to be a perfect parent. Always be calm. Me, yeah. Just have to be a present parent. Right? Mm, yeah. And that is way doable. It's a million micro moments in the day. In those tiny moments, you are teaching your child emotional self-regulation. What a gift. Just by taking care of yourself. Yeah. So when I'm having these conversations, I often hear from the audience. I hear questions coming through from the audience And one of the questions that I'm hearing is, is it too late? Like, I haven't practiced self-regulation. I yell, you know, maybe even I've, I've resorted to spanking or punishment. Is it too late? Like, have I ruined my children? No, it's never too late. It really isn't. It can start today, this moment after you're done watching this and your kid has a reaction. Because... What I call them and what actually the psychology community calls them is corrective learning experiences. So with each tiny corrective learning experience where you do things a little bit differently, there is a cumulative effect on your child. And anyone who has made a big change in their life or gone to therapy and started doing things a different way and started to feel, that feels really good, you're going to do more of that. And if your child is watching you make that transformation, and you know what? It's a beautiful message, isn't it? That, you know what? I want to do things a different way. And so I'm going to work really hard at that. Yeah. And I think that's a great message for our kids, which is that, you know, we're not perfect. We're always growing. We're always learning. And it's okay. Yeah. So for that child who is differently wired, Do these same things apply to them, whether they have ADHD or anxiety or learning difference? Yes, a lot of times I work with families of kids who are differently wired. Um, Whether they have a diagnosis or not, um, some strategies, look, these strategies work for all kids. So they're going to work with no matter how your kid is wired. There are some sort of, shall I say, advanced moves (laughs) for uh, parents who have kids who are differently wired. So kids with ADHD are going to have shorter fuses, smaller windows of tolerance often, and more um, difficulties in that emotional self-regulation typically. Kids with autism may not be learning. The best modality may not be talking. It may be visual. 
Mm. Kids with learning disabilities may need more repetition. And that's okay. It's about this beautiful balance of I know me and I know my kid. And sometimes it really is just um, more. It's just more and more often. It's more intense. It's more frequent. And you have more opportunities for corrective learning experiences. There are some ways that you can also, um, I call them flyover strategies, which is one of them is like, if you think of your kid's brain as like a patch of grass and you're going to build neural pathways to emotional regulation. Each time you do those uh, climbing techniques and they practice and learn them, you're building a pathway. When you build that pathway, it gets faster and more worn and they start to use it more. So a lot of times it's the just repetition. Some kids have trouble even when you do that and you need kind of a flyover strategy mm. which is a, or a different route it may take longer but you need a different route and that's why i teach in my make it stick parenting course which is what are those alternative routes to emotional self-regulation how can you make things visual how can you make something more um concrete rather than abstract with abstract kids sometimes struggle with differently wired with abstraction so what i mean by that is you need to be respectful. What, what does that mean? <laughs> right? They know it's a good thing, but they don't actually know what it means to be respectful. Yeah. Listen, follow directions. Sometimes kids who are differently wired need those broken down. Wait, do I have to look at you to listen? Or can I just listen with my ears? Does my body have to be still to listen? Or do I have a little bit of extra energy and I need to move my body to listen? So it's about this combination of knowing yourself and knowing your kid, applying the strategies, rinse and repeat. And then if you have a kid who's differently wired to make it stick, you might need some of those flyover strategies. I love this. I want to share one of my flyover strategies, which is a curative story. So I have a differently wired child and um, she and I tell the story about a bunny who is also differently wired and ways that she can emotionally regulate herself. And then when she and I have a flare up, the bunny and her mommy have a flare up and it allows my daughter and I to have a kind of a roundabout conversation about what's coming up in our relationship that isn't, doesn't feel so close to home. There's a little bit of distance and then she can, uh, share ways that the bunny in the story may respond to the mommy bunny. Um, so that feels like it's just, you know, a flyover strategy rather than just tell Grace what to do. Um, you know, the mommy and the bunny have that conversation. I love that. That's a perfect example of a flyover strategy. And in the literature, they're called social stories. And when mm-hmm. there is that emotional distance from the incidents or the interaction, Kids are actually really good problem solvers. Another example um, is to, you know, first off is to bring like abstract language, be respectful to like concrete stuff. And Michelle Garcia Winter does a great job of this. She's in my course as well as a featured guest, which is, are you adding to the fun or do you think you're taking away from the fun right now with your sister? Yeah. Something about adding to the fun and taking away the fun makes it more concrete than you need to play nice. What does that mean? Look at your sister's face. You look like she's adding to the fun or taking away the fun right now. What can we do together so we're both adding to the fun? That's a concrete example. 
The social stories um, could also be like your bunnies, which is if your kid is anxious and maybe about returning to school buildings or maybe about um, you know the world opening up again and I'm a little bit nervous. So you can read a story about a hedgehog who, you know, yeah. is going back to school and is nervous and experiencing the feeling. One of the beautiful things I love about our course is that it's actually an add-in, not an add-on to your day. So you're not sitting around, like, we are going to do, like I do as a school psychologist, here's a social-emotional lesson in which I will teach you about, you know, emotional uh, feelings. No, it's embedded in your day. You're reading a story. How do you think hedgehog feels right now? Have you ever felt that way? Kids learn through play. They learn through interaction. And they learn when it's fun. I have kids that I work with all the time in counseling who have really severe needs, right? Really um, difficulties with emotional regulation. Kids are really differently wired. And I find the thing they love when I fold it in. So for example, I worked with this kiddo who's so, so anxious, but also loved Harry Potter. She would make these catastrophe predictions. All these horrible things are going to happen. And, um, you know, she had these fantasies like that her family was going to give her up for adoption. I mean, she had a lot of struggle. Um, a lot of abandonment issues. And so what we did is, have you seen Harry Potter? Um, oh, yes. The Professor Trelawney, I can't ever say it. She makes these like crazy predictions, you know, and they're always doomsday and they're never right. <laughs> I think one time they were right. But most of the time they're like, read the tea leaves, you're going to die. <laughs> um, and so we made like art project, we made crystal balls and we mm-hmm. put the negative prediction in them. And then we're like, let's, I'll see you next week. Let's see if your Trelawney prediction came true. And we came back and I, nine or 10 out of 10 times, it didn't come true. And we're like, so interesting. And we crumbled it up. Mm. That one was, my brain tricked me into thinking that was going to happen. And so there's ways to make it fun and engaging. And that's what I love to teach in our course and community is these innovative ways those flyer strategies. So there is, it's like kind of a, a tiered level. Like first is take care of yourself because when you're in a better space, you are more like Rex and Electra's like T-Rex. Yep. And then help your child with this co-regulation process, bringing your calm to the chaos, leaning in with empathy. And then if your child's differently wired, you can add more. Um, or a different strategy, maybe more visual, maybe more concrete, maybe more plant-based, um, maybe something they're interested in. There's so many ways that you can help your kids with emotional regulation. But you remember nothing from what I've said. It starts with you. It yeah. really does. And moms are often so quick to shortchange themselves first. Like in the to-do list of things, we often fall to the bottom. And self-care, I always say, is not a nice to have. It is nice to have. It's a need to have. It's not just about the bubble bath. It's having self-compassion, too, that I am learning something new. I'm learning to parent in a different way. I am watching this wonderful woman, Isabel, teach me how to grow and learn as a mom. You're already here. You're already a great mom. Yep. Just because you're here. Yep. I just wanted to share a quick plug for the Make It Stick Parenting course as a recipient of that. It has really made an impact on my parenting too. So you can go check it out. Um, And Rebecca, you have uh, so generously shared a gift with our audience today. Tell us a little bit about that gift. So my gift is what I like to call a twofer. (laughs) Something for you, something for your kid. Um, Because as we just discussed, they are totally connected. So 
The first thing, if you go to RebeccaBrandsetter.com, there is a 25 simple self-care practices for parents, stuff you can put in your day, not a big old add-on. Um, and then I also have a bonus of 10 ways to reboot learning when your child has given up. So we know that there's been so much change out there for kids, so many challenges, and our kids sometimes shut down with that shut down into that lizard brain where they act out. So I have a PDF of 10 strategies that you can use in those hot moments. So something for you, something for your kid at RebeccaBrandstetter.com. I love how tangible these are. So mamas, you can go check those also out here on this page. There will be a, a link directly directing you there. So Rebecca, I have one last question for you. And that is, what is a vivid dream that is awake inside of you right now? I love this question. I love the word vivid dream, first off. It's something that's so clear to you, you can see it. That's right. Stop it. Why are you making me cry? <laughs> <There's> no. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Um, I see a world for kids in which we are giving them skills that maybe we as our generation didn't receive. We're the first generation to have some knowledge about neuroscience, to have some knowledge about positive parenting, to have some knowledge about differently wired kids. We don't have the practice often. How we were parented may be way different than what we see now for our kids, what we want for our kids. And my vivid dream is that all the mamas out there, self-included, can have self-compassion um, and be able to help raise an emotionally healthy world. Mm. And that's a big mission. Yeah. Um, it's one that I share with our partner in Make It Stick Parenting Generation Mindful is raising an emotionally healthy world. And it starts with ourselves and it, we can give that gift to our kids. And it can be in these tiny moments in the day. Yeah. And oh my God, you're gonna make it rain on my face. Stop yeah. it. I just love what you're doing. I love this parenting community. I love this space that you've given for people to talk about things that are hard. And my vivid dream is that parents out there are listening and they know there's support yeah. and you're not doing it wrong. Your kid's not doing it wrong. It's a rewiring, a relearning. It starts with parenting yourself the way you wish you were parented and then giving that gift to your kids. And that's something as a school psychologist, mama, and parent educator, I'm on a mission <laughs> to help every parent I can with because it's something that's so important for raising that next generation of kids who will be emotionally healthy and able to respond to stress in a different way and love and care for each other and have empathy for each other and have those skills just baked into their wiring so they don't have to work hard at it. It's just who they are. I'm not going to bust down to Whitney Houston's, like, I believe our children are the future, but they are. <laughs> they are. Yeah. We can, as parents, what a gift to give that next generation these skills. Yeah. Our awakening is the gift that we give our children. Rebecca, thank you so much. We could talk forever. I know. And I know I get to talk to you whenever I want. So I'm so lucky and so blessed. Um, until next time. Mwah. Thank you. Right. We learned that in baby sign. <laughs>
Exactly. Thank you so much. Bye, mamas. You've been listening to the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. That's all for today, my friends. And here's what I want you to remember. Empowerment is an inside job. The only one who can empower you is you. Today's episode was produced by Brendan Lindsay. Intro and outro music are by Matthew Randolph. I'm Isabel Bridges, author of Daddy Daughter Day. I'm also the founder of the Mother's Empowerment Sisterhood. You can learn more about my work and join the sisterhood at isabelbridges.com. I'm offering a 50% off discount for a limited time only. So check it out today, isabelbridges.com.